How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome into episode 57 of Booze and Baseball with Dusty Baker. I am Derek Johnson. Our throwback and chug stat of the week, June 2nd, 1903. How fondly I remember those days. The Boston Americans beat the New York Highlanders. This does not sound like the same sport. Nine to nothing. New York starting pitcher Jesse Tannehill pitched all nine innings of the game despite giving up 14 hits, a walk, and nine runs. The manager was just like, no, this is your problem. You deal with it. How mad would you be if you had Jesse Tannehill in fantasy and you're like, because he gave up three of those runs came in the ninth inning when he should have just been out of there by then. And you're sitting there and it's like, all right, I get it. It was already a bad start. But now the manager is leaving him in and he is even making my ERA that much worse. I would be livid. I would not be happy. And the other thing is too, like you see a crappy performance that gives you six runs, right? Like your ERA is already blown up. Well, the fact that you've just solidified another innings worth of basically getting a nine ERA, like you've screwed your entire week over because of keeping him in for one more inning. So uh, yeah, I'd be furious. The The whip is over the, over the moon with that. I mean, like that's <laughs> brutal as is uh, I would be drinking a lot if that was the case. And, and honestly, the worst part is, you know, that even keeping him in, you're not getting a quality start. So um, that just hurts you at that point to sit there and watch your guy go out there and, what maybe at best get a redemption inning. Like there's no value to that whatsoever. Well, who knows? Maybe if you're in a complete game uh, fantasy league where complete games is a category, then that would have been, that would have been, you would have been pumped. You would have been pumped about that uh, nine innings, nine runs allowed. Uh, What are you drinking on this episode? Yeah, last week I did a Cali Squeeze. I'm sticking with the same brand, but a different uh, version of it. I have the Cali Squeeze Mango, um, and it is, uh, you know, I've actually had this before. I'm going to give it a crack. But, yeah, it tastes literally like mangoes. So, uh, it's pretty good. It's uh, kind of a brand that I've gone with quite a bit, which is Firestone Walker. Um, That's based in Paso Robles, California. Uh, so locally brewed nearby where I live, but a bunch of people drink Firestone Walker across the entire country. And, uh, I highly recommend this, especially if you have access in California, what are you drinking? I have a avalanche Amber ale, which is made by Breckenridge brewery, which is in Breckenridge, Colorado. It is a Amber beer, 5%. Um, I've had this before, but not for a while. 
just good stuff. It's a nice mild amber. You get kind of that caramely taste in there. And I just realized, I don't think we've been taking our drinks for beer pong. Um, I hit one cup last week, San Diego over Pittsburgh. Missed San Fran over Cincinnati. The Reds almost pulled a sweep there, actually. Uh, so I have eight cups left on my side. You have eight cups as well. I'm going to take my two drinks for the cups. And it is your turn to make your beer pong throws I will slash take, selections. I will take my two drinks as well as we speak. Okay. When you look at who's coming up this upcoming weekend, one seems completely automatic. And then the other one seems like a really, really good bet. The one that's a really, really good bet is the Tigers at the Yankees. Listen, uh, the Tigers offense has been pretty horrible, but Torkelson may start to at least figure it out. It seems like he at least has a little bit. Um, The Yankees pitching over the weekend looks like it may set up nicely too. So I like that series a lot. I will take two of three at least for the Yankees. So I'll pick the Yankees there. The one that seems completely automatic, though, is the Astros at the Royals. I love how the Astros rotation is aligning. Uh, The Royals have looked terrible right now, and the Astros offense has looked pretty much exactly like what it did last year. So I'm going to call for an Astros sweep, and -hmm. I'll go for a Yankees series win because I go for big and not just kind of sitting around, Derek. I want to beat this man in beer pong. And, uh, yeah, this is my way of going for two right here. Astros get the sweep. You've called two sweeps before. They won the series, but they didn't get the sweep. And neither one of us has hit both cups so far, so we're still waiting on the balls back to occur. Um, On today's episode, we're going to get to a shotgun six-pack a little bit later. But first, we're going to go through the uh, StatCast leaderboard right now over on Baseball Savant. And we're not going to go through every category, but we're going to go through some that I kind of deem to be interesting to look at. And we're going to decide if any of these things mean anything to us. So the first category that I want to look at from the hitting perspective is max exit velocity. So if you sort it by the guys with the the hardest hit, basically just one time, it's no surprise who's at the top. You have Giancarlo Stanton, Shohei Otani, Vladimir Guerrero in the top three. Outside of that, there's some interesting names here uh, near the top. Jorge Soler, Avisael Garcia, who has kind of struggled early on in the season. How about Wilson Contreras, the catcher for the Cubs? A couple Rockies on there. CJ Crone, maybe not that much of a shock. Sam Hilliard, though. And how about Kettle Marte? Like, he's not hitting it hard a lot, but apparently he's shown that he can do that every now or then. Does anything stick out to you, whether it's a player or anything about this max exit velocity, or is this just something that, you don't really care too much about because it's just, okay, I get it. This guy can hit the ball hard. I I do care about max exit velocity because I do believe, I mean, when you see those big names there at the top, it clearly shows that these big power hitters uh, that, you know, you expect to hit 30, 40 home runs a year, uh, they're doing that because they hit the ball harder than anybody else. Right. So I do think that there is definitely a correlation there. Um, So I have three major takeaways, and those are three specific players. Starting with the positive, okay, number one is Jorge Soler. Uh, The fact that his max exit velocity ranks fourth right now at 117.6, and you're seeing him actually producing now at this time, I think that that's legit. Um, It's also interesting because, of course, you saw what he did in the World Series last year. You know that this guy can produce, and he did not do that at the start of the season, uh, but you could tell that he's kind of trending in the right direction. And so if you have a chance, if he's available in your fantasy leagues right now, this might be a good time to either buy him low 
while he's still kind of heading into the right direction or potentially just kind of trust that, you know, you're expecting he's going to put up major power numbers like what we've seen in the past. I mean, this is a guy that's hit 40-plus home runs already in his career. So that's one takeaway that I have. Another one is Matt Olson. He's a guy that I trusted would hit, you know, almost 50 home runs at the start of the year. Well, that now looks like that may be incorrect. I'm still not hopping off of the Olsen bus just because he hasn't necessarily flexed his, flexed his power. It just shows that maybe he hasn't been as lucky this year. Um, and uh, I still am a believer in Matt Olson, and that will show based off the fact that he still ranks among the top in max exit velocity. How about on the other end, though? If you look at the guys that are averaging the lowest max exit velocity. Um, one name that sticks out to me is Jeff McNeil. Um, Jeff McNeil has had a very good start to the season, and he's shown decent pop as well. It's hard for me to maybe see it sustainable uh, as far as anything outside of what we've already seen from him, which is high average hitter. Uh, but seeing the power numbers, the slugging, I don't expect that to remain. Um, and he ranks right now uh, as the 12th lowest max exit velocity at this time. Yeah, but see with McNeil, like I, I view him as being a singles hitter. So it doesn't bother me as much. But yeah, yeah if you're getting rid of power, that, that doesn't hurt. Uh, from the positive standpoint, I think a couple of the rookies stand out. The fact that Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt are both in the top 30, I think sings well to that. You know, some of their traits are transferring over. When I look at the, the bottom end of things, the guys who don't have high exit velocity numbers, it's the Houston Astros guys that stick out to me. And it almost makes me wonder if their um, tracker is like off or something because you're not used to seeing all these names down there. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, Yuli Gurriel, all three of those guys are in the bottom 26 in average exit below. And like you could make sense with Yuli Gurriel, like he's just older and stuff like that. And um, he can be at times more of like an average hitter than anything, but that's really not good for Alex Bregman, especially who I think we probably like, there are certain players who probably had the biggest boost from the extra powerful baseball that we had in 2019. And that was the year he hit 40 home runs. And I think what we've learned is that he's a good hitter but he's far from a 40 home run hitter with a normal baseball or with the current baseball we have, which is even, you know, harder for hitters than the normal baseball or, or whatever you would think of just like average for the baseball is. So I think that's a little bit scary for Alex Bregman that, you know, he's already like a 270 hitter. Like he's not like a 300 guy. And if the power is not there and he's only giving you 15, 20 home runs, he becomes more of kind of like just a, you know, top 80 to 100 guy as opposed to being like a top 40, top 50 guy. Yeah, I, it's a little concerning to me. Um, I believed in Alex Bregman going into the season and to see that number as low as it is. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It, the one thing that's weird is that the Astros, though, are still very productive offensively. So, you know, even if they're not getting it done with the long ball, uh, they're getting it done with just clutch base hits and they have it balanced out with Jordan Alvarez, you know, uh, in the thick of things. But yeah, with Alex Bregman specifically, uh, if he's going to be your big bat in the middle of the lineup, you would think that you would see better exit velocity coming off his bat. Okay. As far as the next one I want to do, it's uh, max distance. Um, one sticks out in the bat. That's Max Muncy. He's in the bottom 20. And a lot of the other guys are just like, they, they kind of struggle hitting wise or they're contact hitters. And then, when you go to the guys who have hit it the furthest, Jesus Sanchez currently has the lead for longest home run. He was in Coors Field, hit it to the upper, upper deck 
496 feet, just absolutely crushed there. Besides that, it's a lot of guys you would expect here. Mike Trout, Jordan Alvarez, Byron Buxton, uh, so far and down the list. The guy that uh, also sticks out to me, though, on uh, this is a couple. Jose Siri at 13th is interesting because I, I always I thought of him as more of like a speed guy. Um, so I'm kind of monitoring that if he can continually hit the ball that hard. Uh, but Christian Walker is eighth. This dude right now is barely hitting over the Mendoza line. I think he is about to bust out. You look at his baseball savant page, and like when he is making contact, he is absolutely ripping the baseball at this point in time. Again, he's only hitting 203, yet he has a 764 OPS, which is well above league average at this point in time. He's in the uh, 97th percentile in expected slug, 95th in barrel rate, 95th in ex woba. He's in the 80th percentile in chase rate, so it's not like he's just swinging at, at everything right now. And his expecting batting average is 280, despite the fact he's only hitting 203. His expected slugging is 626. That means his um, expected OPS, I, I mean, it doesn't have like an expected on base. I guess if WOBA is kind of similar with, uh, you know, a 339 or something, I don't know. He's, he's nearing like a 900 expected OPS, I guess, essentially, even though that's not a real stat. His K percentage is good under 20%. I think Christian Walker is going to break out. And the only reason I'm even bringing this up with you, I checked in our fantasy league because he's on the waiver. Somebody dropped him for some reason. I have a higher waiver than him, so suck it. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting to, to monitor Christian Walker for sure. Uh, when you look at the other exit velocities that are, you know, in that upper echelon, uh, and Jesus Sanchez is interesting just because I do think that he is eventually going to be a guy that hits 30 home runs. I thought that might have been this year, but he had a massive drop-off after his really hot start in April. He's a guy I'm still keeping my eye on, but uh, I think it may take a little more seasoning for him. But I do think, you know, in three, four years from now, when we're talking about Jesus Sanchez, we may be talking about a guy that is a 30, 40 home run type caliber player. So, uh, you know, I do think that that's something to keep an eye on just because of that. Uh, one name, though that I was a little surprised to see on this list. And you kind of go throughout and uh, you look at Brian Anderson. That's a really random name for the Miami Marlins. This is where a weird disparity happens. So he has a max exit velocity of 109 miles per hour, but his max distance is 445. So that's when you can't read too much into these numbers because sometimes they kind of won't align particularly well. And so I just want to use that as an example of, okay, so you have to really read into all the numbers and how they align because that'll tell you the whole story. That kind of goes with Jose Siri too. Max exit velocity of 109, max distance then of 456. So not all those storylines necessarily combine. Uh, so it's important to keep an eye on that. One guy that I really love from this though, how about a guy that's stealing a ton of bases, uh, should be the AL Rookie of the Year as of right now. You have Julio Rodriguez, whose max exit velocity is 114, and his max distant at 450. Okay, that is tied for 20th place right there. That is super, super telling that this kid is going to produce power numbers and speed. I mean, this is 40-40. You got Matt Kemp-like potential right now from this kid. Uh, I think that that is incredibly telling. On the other end of it for max distance, a guy that kind of concerns me a little bit in addition to Max Muncy is DJ LeMahieu. Okay, DJ LeMahieu is not getting a ton of pop off the bat as well. And remember, you know, in his breakout season, he was known for not only hitting for average, but showing the pop as well. So I think we've kind of seen LeMahieu hit his plateau. 
and the numbers of max exit velocity and max distance not being particularly high as max distance is 388 tells me that you know the pop is really not there and uh if i'm having him and owning him in fantasy right now i kind of consider selling yeah with the low numbers for muncie i'm petitioning to change his name to minimum muncie get what oh, i did there sad. that's uh, just sad that's just sad guy the next one i want to look at is hard hit percentage which is defined as uh, percentage of the balls in play that you hit above 95 miles per hour, uh, which is defined as a hard hit. Again, guys up here that you'd expect, Jordan Alvarez, Aaron Judge, Ben Wilson Contreras has had a really good season. How about Jock Peterson, Giancarlo Stanton? Patrick Wisdom's really interesting to me because he's uh, multi-versatile with his position, first base, third base, outfield. He's getting a lot of playing time on the Cubs. He's not a great source of average, but if you need power, he's a, he's a really good option to have there. And then you kind of go further down the list, and a couple names stick out to me. One of them is Harold Ramirez. He's been getting a good amount of playing time with the Tampa Bay Rays. Not really a, a name that jumps off the page or anything. He's 18th right now in hard hit percentage. He's one that I would be very interested in picking up if he's available. And then the next guy is – this guy's probably already owned, but, like, if you can get your hands on him now, I think this is the time to do it. Um, Cabrian Hayes only has one home run in 190 plate appearances right now. And you're sitting there going, oh man, this is just a guy with average, not a lot of power sitting 295, 379 OBP. Those are great. But the slugging's only 386. The OPS, even with that high average is only 765. I'm here to tell you the home runs are going to come. He's 28th in the MLB in hard hit rate. Um, he is in expected slugging in the 72nd percentile. He is 87th percentile max exit velocity, 91st percentile on average exit velocity. By the way, the 28th puts him in the 90th percentile for hard hit rate. All of those add up to say that the home runs are coming for this guy. And if the average is already there, I'm telling you, if you can buy low, it's not like super buying low because, he, again, he's like put up solid numbers. But I think he's going to be even better than he already is right now. Like that is a guy that I would be kind of salivating over trying to get my hands on. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that uh, you keep your eye on him because at the end of the day, uh, I don't know. I think Key Brian Hayes is a perennial 300 type hitter. And if you can add that pop in there, if he can even get you like 15, 20 home runs a year, I mean, that kid's going to be a top 40 pick, uh, in my opinion, at least year in, year out. Uh, a name that I see on this list on the, the higher end of things that really sticks out to me is Austin Riley. Uh, Riley kind of got getting off to a slower start to the year, but remember last year hitting 300 roughly. And, um, you know, that the pop is always going to be there. Well, it's not like he's had a bad season. He's at 54.9%, which puts him in eighth place there. Um, and while he's hitting 255, his on base percentage at nearly 330, is slugging at 500. I think those numbers are going to improve as it starts to kind of heat up throughout the, the rest of the East Coast. And um, I've been a believer on both the Red Sox and the Braves offenses. You know, I just think that they've started out very slowly and you could trust a second half boom for pretty much any of the players on those teams. That includes Matt Olson. That includes Austin Riley. Uh, you may actually also want to include the guy that's on the negative side of things here, which is Ozzy Albies. Okay, you look at hard hit rate right now, he is in the lower tier. He's 13th uh, from the bottom. He's got 25% 
hard hit rate. He's just really struggled uh, so far this season. And I think that eventually, just based off of the numbers that we've seen from him, you've got to expect that that's going to improve over time. Once Acuna gets full-time back in the lineup, you've seen him kind of popping in and out of that lineup. Albies does not look good this year, but I don't expect this to continue. I think that that may be an outlier. There is an outlier, though, uh, in this list that I actually kind of believe in, too, and that's Dylan Carlson. Uh, Carlson is currently ranked seventh from the bottom. He's at 20.8% hard hit rate. I don't know what the deal is with this kid. Um, He was supposed to be a top-tier prospect. Uh, He's kind of showing me flares of what we've seen from Jared Kelenic, where uh, it's kind of all smoke and mirrors with him. There's all the hype that really has kind of gone to the wayside. I don't know if I really buy this kid at all. If you own him and there's even a little bit of value in your eyes uh, for Carlson or somebody in your league finds value in him, I'd sell him. I don't think that there's much future value based off of what we're seeing from him right now because I thought this was going to be a guy that kind of gave you five tools, and it seems like he's giving you zero tools right now. Yeah, I think I echo everything you just said. And, yeah, it is it has been very disappointing with um, Carlson. Okay, the, the last hitting one I want to look at, is barrels per plate appearance. Now, if you look at the, the negative ones, this one, honestly, in my opinion, like correlates the most with who some of the best hitters are. Obviously, there's exceptions, but like you go to the worst ones and there's not many guys there with, um, I guess, you know, that, that you think are like high pedigree or hitters that like you have to have or something. And then you go to the guys who have the best barrels per plate appearance and you know, you see like Jock Peterson, who you're like, okay, well, that's a little different than Mike Trout. Peterson's third and Trout's fourth, but he's just hot right now. And you go down the list here, and, and I think this is this is a good one that I would be – like of, of all the ones we've been over for hitting, this one to me rings the truest for maybe who the best just overall hitters are. So this would be the one that I would probably be looking at the most. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting because even going through the list of names here, a few that stick out, uh, you have Patrick Wisdom at 10th. You have Byron Buxton at 11th, which shouldn't shock you. But if you look at Buxton's numbers, especially over the last month, they've been terrible. Um, He hasn't really been particularly healthy. But this also shows that even when he's struggling, you know, he's still squaring it up. So he could be a little bit unlucky in that sense. I think the weirdest name, the one that maybe I didn't expect as much is Gary Sanchez. Uh, the fact that if you go down the line, okay, max exit velocity of 113.9 miles per hour, then you go to max distance. That one across the board looking pretty good, 446. Then you have barrels per plate appearance, and it's also in a pretty elite level at 10.3. Is he back, Derek? <laughs> uh, I guess. I mean, I don't know what else to take from that. It's hard. Do you – it's hard to say. I, I've not trusted Gary Sanchez for a very long time. And when you look at his surface level numbers, I mean, it's it's not terrible, but it's not necessarily something I'm sitting there saying, man, I'm going crazy over this. He's 236 average, 297 on base percentage, slugging 457. That, that doesn't jump off the paper for me. So I'm a little surprised to see how great the peripherals are for him. But the league average for average is like 230 right now. So he's actually like a league average hitter in terms of average. He's giving you that power. I guess, yeah, buy, buy in on Gary Sanchez right now. He's getting playing time. So that's a good thing. Um, how about Paven Smith at 28, former first-round pick? I think that's interesting. Joey Gallo is at 33rd. Now, we know he, he always is known for hitting the ball hard and stuff. So maybe it's not that big of a surprise. But he's hitting like 170, 180 right now. 
Um, I guess maybe that would tell you, like he's expecting batted average is still like 210. So it's not like that big of a jump. But I think we've always been under the, I guess, guise of if Joey Gallo can just hit 210, 220, he'll probably give you a 340 OBP, which is more than good enough. He'll give you great power. It just doesn't go when it's at right now. So if, if the barrels per plate appearance tell you he's more of what we're used to seeing from him, then that's probably an okay thing for Joey Gallo. And you could probably get him at a pretty cheap price right now, but that continues to be one of those weird things where it's like, you think that would be the perfect fit playing in Yankee stadium. And it just makes you wonder if, you know, it's tough to play in New York. It's, it's tough market. The fans are tough that sometimes it's not always about just the fit and the ballpark and everything. Sometimes you're just not comfortable in other places. And maybe that's the case with Joey Gallo. I do want to move on to some pitching ones as well. Um, The first one I want to look at for pitching is average exit velocity against. And when you look at the top of this list, you see a lot of um, relievers. Tyler Rogers at 81 miles per hour. That makes sense. Like Even when Tyler Rogers is giving up a lot of runs, it's teams just kind of playing, playing pepper with him and just like saying, okay, I'll just take the single. And those are the teams that have the most success against him, not trying to just you know go for the fences on a guy that's tough to do that. Devin Williams up there at third. One guy who I think is interesting, actually a couple in the top ten, Bruce Dark Gratterall, who like continues not to get high strikeout numbers despite having really high velocity, which is weird. But Jonathan Loisaga, who has struggled a lot early in this season, he's still in the top eight right now in average exit velocity against. But honestly, as like I look at this list and I look at the guys who have the highest numbers, a lot of them being bullpen arms or some guys just being unowned, like this is probably a stat that I care a little less about. Yeah, you know, I, it's so hard for me to look at these numbers and just make a quick uh, determination. I know we're on pitching, but I did want to point out one thing with hitting, uh, just to kind of go to my point. Even talking about barrels per plate appearance, you saw in Mookie Betts at 93rd, and he had the hottest month out of anybody right? That was Mookie May. So yeah, the peripheral numbers, uh, they, they don't tell the entire story, but it, yeah, some of these numbers are kind of bizarre to me. Like when I go down the list, not all of it adds up. You see Adam Odovino at fifth. Uh, let's not forget that he served up a really crucial home run to Nick Castellanos on Sunday night baseball. Like it, this clutch gene, if you will, does not get reflected necessarily in some degree, I guess, uh, with these numbers. Uh, a few others that kind of stick out, though, from a positive side. Okay, you like seeing names like Emmanuel Classe ranked 18th, right? Your closer for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, you want to see your guys like that there. Chris Bassett has been looking really, really sharp this season so far. He ranks right below at 19th. So there, there is some room there where I, I would say from a starter perspective, Bassett is actually the best in that crew. And uh, that's Zach Eflin, for whatever reason, is the only one that actually trumps him in that. Uh, If you want to call Ryan Yarbrough a starter, then go ahead. But I don't really consider him to be one. It's a weird list. Uh, You go up and down, and it kind of pops your eyes, and you're like, that that doesn't make much sense. Tyler Anderson at 31 is one that kind of sticks out a little bit, and he's looked really good. Jose Quintana has had a bit of a breakout this year, but I agree with you, Derek. I'm not totally buying this particular statistic. Yeah, it's a little tougher for these ones for pitchers. I think you look more at, you know, chase rate and whiff rate, strikeout rate, walk rate, those types of things. I do want to look at one more for pitchers, though. It's the barrels per plate appearance. 
I think you can take at least a little from this one. Again, you have guys like Devin Williams and stuff near the top. How about Clay Holmes? He has been so good. I think he's the, been the best reliever for the Yankees so far, maybe the closer of the future. Who knows what the situation will be there. Uh, but the guy I want to look at here is Alex Cobb. He is 13th in the MLB in barrels allowed per plate appearance. If you go look at Alex Cobb's baseball savant page, it's a ton of red outside of fastball spin. It's a ton of red 90th in hard hit rate, 98th in X Woba, 98th in expected ERA and his expected ERA right now would be, you know, one of the best ERAs in the entire game. Like uh, you look at the expected batting average, it's 197 at this point in time for Alex Cobb. So by a lot of the numbers, he's expected to be really good. The expected ERA, by the way, it's a 2.04. Yet his actual ERA is a 5.74. And I get it. Like the expected numbers don't tell everything. We see guys all the time who constantly overperform or underperform their expected numbers. And maybe that's just the case for Cobb here. But that seems like pretty, pretty drastic difference there. So I, I don't – the problem is you don't know when it's going to turn. Like, is the luck going to turn in two months? Is it just one of those things where the luck is never going to turn this year and he's just a bounce-back candidate next year? I don't have the answer to that, but he's definitely one I'm keeping an eye on. And then as far as guys who have really high barrels per plate appearance ranks, Jose Barrios, that rings true to how much he has struggled. Jose Urquidy, that's kind of an interesting one. that He's up in the top 15. Josiah Gray, who has a lot of great stuff but maybe don't fall in love with it because he's giving up a lot of uh, really hard contact. Yeah, there's a few. It seems like, Derek, with these particular numbers, not all of it necessarily aligns up, but then you see the gist of it, and most of them, they kind of make a little bit of sense. Uh, Derek, just off the top of your head, who is the best closer in baseball right now? Oh, boy. Um, Man, Liam Hendricks has kind of struggled. Josh Hader? Yeah, Josh Hader is pretty dang good. You don't see him anywhere at the top of this list, uh, which is a little bizarre. But uh, to me, I would say outside of Hader, number two would probably be Emmanuel Classe. And he is, once again, right there in barrels per plate appearance uh, in 17th. And uh, so I, I think that if you're trying to go for a safe option that's not named Josh Hader, it's probably your guy, right? Like, uh, you can basically trust that this guy's going to get you and close out these close games. Um, so if you're in need of saves and you have the ability to trade for a guy like class a, uh, that is the kind of guy that you want to go after. And, uh, we knew going into this season that he would be one of the top guys. So this is not at all surprising. It's just nice to see that, you know, some of these numbers kind of back up exactly what we believed from the start of the year. How about a guy though, that it doesn't necessarily do the same for me with uh, a guy that I didn't expect to kind of rank in this area. And that would be Martin Perez. Uh, Perez has looked really good so far with the Texas Rangers overall, and he is at 1.7 barrels per plate appearance. That's good for 28th on the list. Man, he has limited the number of hitters coming up to the plate with hard-hitting contact, and uh, I, I think he's for real this year. You know, we've seen him in the league for numerous years. He's kind of always been that middle-of-the-road number three starter, and I'm curious to see if he is kind of one of the major pieces, it's crazy to say major piece in Martin Perez in the same sentence, but he could be one of the major pieces at the deadline that's on the move. Um, he looks like he's limited contact. He's figured something out that we haven't seen in the past. Uh, and uh, when you talk about out of starting pitchers that are on this list, you know, he's in the top five right there. So I, I think that's a pretty big standout. On the other end, on the side that you don't want to be on with barrels per plate appearance, uh, and you go down the list a little bit at least, in addition to Jose Barrios, who has just been absolutely terrible, and Jose Urquidy, who has not been good, I come across Art Warren 
Um, Art Warren is a reliever. The Reds' bullpen's not really good, but a lot of people have been picking up Art Warren in fantasy leagues, and that is concerning to me because he's giving up 9.1 barrels per plate appearance. That's just asking for a guy that's going to be losing his job uh, as a closer in the near future. There's a couple other names in there that I'm not happy to see because I own them in fantasy leagues. That includes Drew Smith. Uh, Joe Barlow is on that list as well. Um, So, you know, take these numbers and realize that's not the whole story. But it is something to keep in mind that they at least may not be putting guys away. And uh, the problem is these guys are making hard contact. Hunter Green is another name that scares me on this list. Okay, on to our shotgun six-pack, and then we'll wrap things up. These are all true or falses. True or false, Nick Castellanos should be paid not to play baseball anymore because he keeps interrupting somber or, I don't know, emotional moments. False. I love it. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. He, he's so fun. I, I don't understand it. I mean, he makes a terrible situation feel less horrible because it's just Castellanos with a drive to left field. That'll make it a 4 nothing game. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't see it, they were doing like a Memorial Day tribute, and he, of course, interrupted it with a home run. True or false? Uh, oh, by the way, I didn't answer that. Uh, no, false. We want him to keep playing baseball because it's funny. <laughs> True or false? If the Rockies still had Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story, they would be a playoff team. False, their pitching is terrible. <laughs> yes, they are uh, the worst bullpen ERA. They are bottom five in starter ERA, I agree. But they would be a lot more interesting, that's for sure. True or false, despite winning a World Series in 2015, the Royals are the worst-run organization currently in the MLB. False, the Colorado Rockies, in my opinion, are the worst in baseball. The fact that, you know, answering your previous question – They did let Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story go. They signed Kyle Freeland to an absolutely horrible contract for no reason whatsoever. And their major signing of the offseason, Chris Bryant, can't even hit a home run. I don't see how there's a worse-run organization right now on paper. There's no plan for the future for that team. I I cannot stand what the Rockies have done. So I'm going to give it a tie between the Royals and Rockies because the Royals have – you know, four or five years ago, even when they were not doing good, they held on to guys. And even last year and even two years ago, like you hold on to Whit Merrifield and you hold on to Andrew Benintendi and you hold on to all these guys and don't trade them because their expectation was that they were going to be contenders this year. And now you have the worst record in the MLB and you're having all these young guys come up like Bobby Witt and MJ Melendez and so forth. Like the time for you to start being better is now and you should be a contender by next year with those guys coming up. So that's not really the case. You are continuing to play Carlos Santana, who has a 543 OPS. You are continuing to play Ryan O'Hearn, who has a 516 OPS. Meanwhile, Vinny Pascantino is like going to hit a billion home runs in AAA right now. I think he already has 15 in AAA. You have Nick Prado sitting there in AAA. Um, you don't have any plan. The pitching coach has been terrible for the last couple of years. Every good pitcher who comes up who's young does terrible. They, they spent all this draft capital on Brady Singer and Daniel Lynch and Jackson Coar. They all come up and they struggle. And then they go down to AAA, and the AAA pitching coach does a great job with them and fixes them, and they come up and they have a good start or two. And then the major league pitching coach messes them up, and then he does terrible. They are a horribly run organization right now. Uh, number four, true or false, the Nationals will not trade Juan Soto in the year of 2022. Well, I sure hope they don't trade him to the Royals after that whole thing right there. (laughs) (laughs) That was was like, you took a knife and stabbed the organization right there, Derek. My goodness. Um, Okay. Wow. I have to emotionally recover from that. Um, No, the Nationals will not trade Juan Soto. Uh, They will not trade him in 2022. They will never trade him, in my opinion. 
I agree. I don't think they'll trade him. Uh, true or false? Mike Trout deserved to slap more than Jock Peterson because he was the commissioner and let all this happen. Mike Trout should never be slapped. He is a gentleman and a scholar. Jock Peterson, I, I love him. Okay, I love him. I don't care if he's a giant. I don't care if he's a Dodger. I don't care if he's a Brave. I don't care who he plays for. You cannot dislike Jock Peterson, but somehow he still has the most slappable face, so he definitely deserves it. I think we should have free reign that whoever finishes last in our fantasy league gets to be slapped in honor of Tommy Fan. It's a deal. Uh, in- First place gets to give it, or maybe that's like the third place award. You know, it's like a smaller yeah. award that you get to yeah. give out the slap. Uh, like number it. six, true or false, baseball is the best sport to snack during. Oh, absolutely. Have you seen some of the ballpark food? Uh, like, I okay, I have to say, I hate TikTok. I'm not a fan of it, but I'm starting to get hooked on these TikToks. Of, like, these people are going to ballparks and just showing what food they have to offer. And, like, there's something called the For You page on TikTok, right? And for the first like five, six videos, it's literally just food videos at ballparks. I have a problem. I have a problem. It's that I'm obsessed with ballpark food. Yeah, I, I absolutely believe this. I agree. Peanuts, it's just easy to eat chips or whatever you're eating. So uh, I will say true. That is Bruising Baseball, episode 57. He's Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. See you next week.